This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. It's Shake Them Ropes. I'm Chris Delvin Bruno. I'm here. I'm not defensive. I'm cool. I'm very cool. I'm very mellow. And I'm joined as always by Jeff Hawkins. Hi, Jeff. I'm Jeff Hawkins. I'm also I'm also not defensive. I'm no, no, you're fine. You're good. Getting railed by personalities of all stripes and whatnot. No, um No. You're not defensive. For those of you Yes. Uh for for those of you uh wondering what we're gonna do on this show, because it seems like there's been twelve hours of wrestling on every day. We're uh, doing first... 12 hours straight. I'm you going bet. to work. <laughs> Red eye. Let's do, do this. Live watches of all of it. Uh, no. Um, first of all, we're going to direct you to our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Shake Them Ropes. For a buck, you can get our live hot reads on NXT TakeOver. Basically, I'm going to gloss over four different shows here from the main roster. We're going to talk about some different stuff. Then we'll do your NXTs and your 205 Lives. You know what? I watched so much wrestling this weekend, I totally forgot that we did that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we did a podcast Saturday night. Yeah, we did. Um, yeah, we totally did. I am going to put over Chris Novembrino. Chris Novembrino is the only member of the wrestling commentariat, either in print or on audio, that I have seen that will defend that Shayna Baszler-Mia Yim match. And I think it's a logical defense. And for the price of $1, you can hear that at patreon.com slash shake them ropes. Uh, no, I'm, I, you, you kind of convinced, you brought me over to your side that was better than I thought it was um, on, on second viewing. But yeah, no, I, I, you were the only person out there on that island. And I'm just like, Dude, that's a brave stance right there. I, I will credit anybody who takes that kind of individualist. No, I'm out here on this. You know, it's like me and Toru Yano, who is the greatest wrestler alive. You know, if you take that stance and you stand by it, you got my respect. I Did found, you want to backtrack? No, I find <laughs> that I do better commentary or at least commentary that I'm more satisfied with when I just don't read what anyone else is saying at all and just try to judge stuff on the merits. And so, I don't know, odds are, at least the mass says, based on what Wrestling Twitter says, you will disagree with what I say on this Patreon episode. But perhaps you'll end up like Jeff and be mildly convinced of my position or at least think that it's a tenable position and reconsider your own. Well, I, I saw like like match rankings were like a star and a half from Dave, who you know he, Dave Meltzer, who's kind of a guideline on things. I'm just like, no, nah, it's more of a story match, so I'm not caring about the work rate type of thing. But no, uh, our cliff notes for the NXT episode: Johnny Gargano is an idiot. Um, <laughs> the uh, the bench of baby faces in NXT is very very short and shallow. And uh, Chris the champion tier is a little bit stale yes. as well. And yeah. overall, it was a good but not great NXT takeover. So, uh, but you need to go listen to that episode if you want. If you want more in-depth takes, uh, go listen to that. The next night was SummerSlam. Um, I would say I don't think Chris watched this, and I, I, I wouldn't have either if I just wasn't didn't have anything else better to do. It was on in the background, but I was yeah. not. I was kind of like in and out of stuff. And, and you know, the things to watch on this to me were the Brock-Seth match, which was great, but also, at the end of the night, I'm confused. I was I am, confused. That was my I, reaction as well. I was what wondering was what you were going to say. What was the point of taking the belt off of Seth in the first place? That's what I I'm I am confused so confused about. from Mania to SummerSlam. Yes. What the story was. Because when we were coming out of Mania, you and I chatted about this. And I remember saying, oh, I think they're turning Seth heel. I think he's going to come up short at SummerSlam, and that's going to kind of foster into this heel turn thing. And now, instead, when I watched Raw the next night, I guess the angle was, and they tried to do this through Stone Cold Steve Austin, that we now know who the real Seth Rollins is. And I know He's this a tough because, son of a bitch. Yeah, we know this because... On, yeah. Watch me on straight-up 
Steve Austin where I'm riding go-karts and talking There's less talk and there's more action. <laughs> now, Steve, they're saying on Straight Up Steve Austin that this is a lot of fun and a real joyride that you can't put down right until the final minute. What do you say about that, Steve? Oh, hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. I have to be on basic cable because I was not properly able to market my stardom when it was hot because I was under <laughs> WWE contract. Because Vince wouldn't let me do movies at the time because I was too important to the company. But Rock gets to go out there and screw up the fashion period. <laughs> I can't hold on to that. Um, no, but yeah, no, now, now they're telling the story of him being a badass, which is kind of interesting. He, he's kind of shifted character over to the man. I couldn't have done it without the fans type of pandering baby face but at the same time it was like you need to kick him in the nuts and hit him with a chair before to win i enjoyed the hell out of this match don't get me wrong man this brock, match was really good this is a really good match it was just weird brock is great and brock is to me the guy that i will pay to watch anytime and seth working with him brock does small guy big guy so well and so much better than big guy, big guy necessarily. But man, I enjoyed the hell out of this match. I just didn't understand the character reset over the last couple months. And I don't know what they do from here. Although we'll get to that in Raw. It appears that they're going to put him up against another giant. Oh, the OC. I love the OC. Let, let's save it. Let's save it for Raw. I mean, let me get through SummerSlam. The other things to watch on this, the last third of the Trish Charlotte match was pretty darn great. Uh, I had... I got buried and I probably deserved it because the first two thirds of this match I thought were terrible. And I said as such, because I thought all Trish was doing was being a rag doll for, for Charlotte and doing her, doing her member berry spots where she, you know, Hey, remember the attitude era when I used to do this, I'll do it, but not very well. But that last third redeemed it. I wouldn't say it's a great match like other people, but it turned me from being sour on it. So I'd say that, um, I took sick perverse pleasure in the Goldberg Dolph segment. I thought it was a little too early on the card, but I loved every minute of it. I <laughs> Dolph playing Jack Evans pretty much on this saying, you can't beat me. <laughs> he comes out spear, jackhammer, pin leaves. You can't beat me. Comes back in spear, comes back in spear. Dolph still talking trash. Loved it. It was stupid fun. Did you get to see this? I did get to see this. I enjoyed this, and I also enjoyed Corey Graves on Raw talking <laughs> about the valor of Dolph Ziggler. Like, the way Graves was putting it over was very, very funny. I think the other really newsworthy thing happened on the pre-show that really didn't get a lot of attention in the aftermath just because I think there was so much to talk about on the card, and that is Edge came out and did some physical activity against... Uh, Elias spearing him. He was medically cleared, whereas before he's never really been medically cleared to do anything. Sure, it was for Toronto. Sure, it probably won't be another match in his future, but um, an interesting new piece of nostalgia that that happened on the card. I, I just it was it was nice to see him. He's letting the hair go a bit gray. Um, looks a little bit like a grizzled vet, but uh, still the same old Edge. Yeah. I like Edge. I don't want him to be doing a lot of physical stuff, but I have thought recently about where this company is going to be in terms of member berries and nostalgia acts, and Edge would be a big, big ad for a aging nostalgia act roster. My my issue is, as, as we've said before during the, the Raw reunion, is that WWE talent exists in this world where they never grow old, the Vince McMahon, where they have to be expected to do the same kind of stuff that they did in their prime at all times. And my fear is if they were ever going to bring Edge to do something more physical, it'd be something like, hey, can you, do we have one last TLC in you or something like that? And you're just like... No, I don't want to see him dead. I don't want to see this guy do too much to the point where... That's the real problem, is bringing back Edge as a nostalgia act sort of requires yes. lots of extreme. Yes. And uh, that was really what he became defined as in the 
real peak of his career. The only the early part was he doing like the downward spiral and the sharpshooter mm-hmm. and those sorts of things. It's a Jeff Hardy problem. Yes, it certainly is. And it doesn't appear that Edge's body has held up anywhere near as well as Jeff's has. And, and so we get to, I would say, rather noteworthy is Raw and SmackDowns this week. I There was a lot of good stuff on each show, I thought. I'm a little... I'm going to put this debate to you, Chris. This will be this week's debate between you and I. Okay. Is a great match for a guy that's underutilized a push, a burial, a sign of things to come, neither, whatever? Because we had two of these moments, one on each show. We had Cedric Alexander and Drew um, McIntyre had a really great match, I thought, on Raw. Um, whereas Cedric rolled him up for a quick pin and a win, uh, in a week prior, Drew McIntyre, I almost said Drew Gulak, Drew McIntyre got a definitive Claymore kick on Cedric Alexander. And then over on SmackDown, we had a match between Buddy Murphy and Roman Reigns. And I thought this match was great. I I saw a lot of people poo-pooing it as all Buddy Murphy did was steal moves from new japan you know whatever but it was it was a really strong match when they had made the buddy murphy character kind of a whipping boy for both daniel bryan and eric rowan and roman reigns both those groups so they it didn't really it didn't really further his character any it really didn't further his personality any but made it showed people this was actually his first match on smackdown it showed he was a good worker which I have conflicting views on whether that really gets you over. I won't say either of these are burials, which I thought was a little too extreme from some people, uh, mostly fans, not necessarily commentators or anything. I just, it's always one of those things where you go, okay, what are they going to do the next week? I don't think great losses matter on week-to-week television. I think they matter in big spots, but I don't think they matter on week-to-week television. I don't know. I think that's situational. Uh, I certainly think you can rebuild anybody with great wins on big pay-per-views. Cedric Alexander is a guy who we've been worried is a bit adrift on this main roster, and with Seth Rollins as your babyface champion... It seems hard to imagine where does where does Cedric slot in? Is he the future IC champion? That still feels kind of a ways away. However, Cedric Alexander versus AJ Styles, you, you could get a good match out of that, and maybe that's where we're going with this. Cedric Alexander as your U.S. champion. Okay, I don't know. Is that pushing him or burying him? I think that's kind of in the eye of the beholder. I think that's a little too. I think both of those are a little too extreme. I think it's one of those weird things where people think, you know, uh, a roll up, you know, a roll up win by Cedric Alexander is not a definitive win against a Drew McIntyre. It's a protective loss. Right. For Drew McIntyre. Right. right. It's to tell a, a two part story. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's to put Cedric on plane with McIntyre temporarily before you knock Cedric back down. So in the purest sense of like wrestling booking conventions, Cedric has been pushed a little bit down the card and Drew has been kept hot or essentially Cedric was fed to Drew. So I, I don't know. I, I mean, the fact that they want to utilize the guides better than just having him in a holding pattern. Uh, also, he was involved as like Roman Reigns' buddy. There's this other weird parallel between Buddy and Cedric. With Buddy, I thought the match was really good. I thought it put him over well. Always the weird tension of, you know, a certain segment of the audience is going to want to see whoever Roman's up against win unless it's Baron Corbin. Uh, and then I thought after the match was actually more damaging to Buddy Murphy. When, it, when, he, when he looked back and gave him the gave him the rub like that? No. I'm talking about backstage when Buddy let himself get punked by Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan again. Okay, I, I don't. I, I thought that was before the match, but I guess you're right. Yeah. Yeah, that was after. That was after. Okay. Yeah. No. No. I remember this now. Yeah. No. You're. you're yeah. It's weird that they're not. 
If Buddy had started swinging at Eric Rowan when He'd Eric Rowan had him cornered and was like, say you're mm-hmm. a liar. Say you're a liar when you're not a liar is such a weak, breaking down move. Um, that, I thought, was much more damaging than anything that happened in the ring or after. Yeah, and I think that what's going to happen is they're going to put Buddy Murphy next week to follow up on the loss. They're going to give him a win over Rowan. And I don't know if that's going to do much for him, whereas characterization when he's getting punked out by people. I want him done to more slap for him as a badass. the shit out of Daniel Bryan. You know what I'm saying? And then and then they beat him up. Yeah. Yeah, you know, be the bad guy that you are in the locker room because the whole Buddy Murphy, you know, uh, bully character is kind of based on that, and they haven't given him a character on the main roster other than he's Buddy Murphy. Why not do that? Why not, you know, be defiant and even though it's kind of a babyface move, it's also a heel move at the same time. Where hey, I want this guy walking around, I'm a jerk. acting like he's seven feet tall. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree with that. I also, I you know, I know. I, look, I get the logical pushback over having Roman lose clean to Buddy Murphy as opposed to a distraction or an injury or something happened. I would have liked the story of it wasn't Roman's day. And and Buddy Murphy beat him, and it's like oh no, man, having gotta... a big high profile win would do so much more for Buddy Murphy. And there's nothing really at this point that can be done on week to week conventional television. Like you can come up with some weird limit case, of course, that could really hurt Roman Reigns. Roman yeah. Reigns is a made man. Roman Reigns is Teflon, and and to me, it's like well, you don't want to beat your star. I'm like man, you could do anything to Roman you wanted, and he'd be fine. Because as soon as you hear that, dan it, dan it, all the he kids are going to He survived suffering succotash, guys. Yes. Yeah, no, he's he's survived dumb things before. Having Buddy Murphy on night one beat him and just walk away without cheating, and then you do the vignette where he, you know, he smacks Daniel Bryan and gets beat down a bit, it establishes him as a badass with credibility, but also as a fighter. <coughs> and and you, can, you can do both of those things. And, yeah, I... I was really sitting back pondering, going, what if they just let the guy win and get the respect of Roman that way and really establish this guy week one? But maybe he's not in that uh, rarefied air, in their opinion. And I still think it could have cleaned it all up backstage after the match. If they had just shown that Buddy is a fighter, he just fought in the ring, and now, even after giving his all in the ring, he's going to fight Eric Rowan and Daniel Bryan outnumbered and tired. Like, that's pure babyface stuff. Instead, what we got was a really confusing portrait of a guy who's tired and gets bullied and beaten into submission when he's tired. I don't know how to feel about that guy. Yeah, and, and the difference between doing it on weekly television and doing it on a pay-per-view, I think, is night and day. Like, AJ Styles survived high-profile matches where, you know, he got beat, but he got beat after, you know, three attitude adjustments or, you know, four F5s and, and you know, was still kind of fighting, 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 fighting versus that happening on, like, a weekday television show where it just doesn't mean anything. And that's what made him a bigger star in defeat that way because, if you recall, that first Jericho... AJ Styles feud at WrestleMania did nothing for him. The Shane McMahon anything goes street fight match wasn't really doing much for him either. It was mostly the high high profile pay-per-view matches against Cena and Brock that really really made him a bankable star, I think, for the company. So I I, I hesitate to to go into the man, they really helped Buddy Murphy here by, you know, having him have a competitive match. Yes, it helped. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it wasn't a positive move for Buddy Murphy. Utilizing a guy on television in a high-profile way helps. But the debate is how much and how permanent is the help. Also on Raw, we got the return of one Sasha Banks. I am more than happy to see Sasha Banks back. Did they find that piece of Becky's skull that Sasha knocked off? (laughs) Well... Let, let me let me start from the beginning. They have Natty come out from this Toronto crowd. 
and she has her arm in a sling from the disarmor. That match was actually pretty good on SummerSlam too. Let me let me backtrack. That match opened SummerSlam wasn't a bad match, I don't think. It was it was perfectly acceptable average type of match between uh two pretty good performers, I thought. I, I, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. But Natty on promos is always gonna be a problem. And but she comes out here arm in a sling, and she says I know I got beat. Becky was a better woman last night. And you think that I'm going to take back all those things I said, but I'm not. And I'm just like, that is an odd phrase because are you trying to get a baby face reaction or are you trying to get a heel reaction? And I think they miscalculated by thinking this was going to make her a tough as nails baby face when it came off as petulant. No, it came off as really heelish when you've got your arm in the sling and it's like, I'm not going to admit that Becky's the better woman. Really? Are you the black knight? Yeah, that's Dolph's gimmick. Um, (laughs) But and then. And then the part of this promo that is just cringeworthy, and it has been every time they brought up, every time they bring up Nat- Natty's dead father, and especially after the heel Oh, wait, moment. did he die? <laughs> Don't do this. Don't, I'm not going in there. Don't do that to me. No. Um, you know, I had a dream about my dead father, and uh, it's like, oh, this, this pandering, terrible... Let's use this. That for a was really angle. weird. I, that's like pure heel stuff, at least to me. Like, would you say I went to sleep last night and I had a dream and I want to tell you about my dream? Just the phrase I want to tell you about my dream. That is instant heel heat with me, whether it's it at heel- work or in a wrestling ring. I don't or want to in hear a about Lionel Richie song like "Say You Say Me." I had a dream. I had an awesome dream. No, I don't want to hear about your dream, Lionel Richie. I don't. No. <laughs> but his is set to musically pleasing chord changes. <laughs> no, but she's like, "Oh, my dad," and it's like, "Oh, you just went off as a heel, and now you're trying to get get sympathy from these people." And then Sasha Banks comes out. Oh, I feel so bad, and beats the crap out of her, and the fans cheer. They love that. And they're not. They're not no, supposed they to do that. I was so they hated confused. The- who was the face and who was the heel there? It, it wasn't until Becky came out. I was like. Okay, I guess Sasha's a heel, except that, like, really what people just wanted towards the end of that segment was fighting. Yeah, they wanted that. They wanted heel Sasha, and they didn't want this, this whatever the hell Natty was doing stuff. That's what this was. And I was like, they are literally watching someone beat up somebody for crying about her dead father and cheering it. There is something amiss in the connection area emotionally here. Um, and then, yes, Becky came out, moved when she wasn't supposed to move, and took a rather terrible chair shot from her friend. Receipts will be coming, as she said, but also at the same time, it's just like... Uh, Don't put your head there, because that's bad. You can't do that so many times. That slap was... Uh, <laughs> that slap was... It looked like she didn't want to take that that well either. Here's why I'm happy about this. This women's division is lacking in star power and lacking in a great match. Sasha puts so much juice back into this division. Yes. Yes. And, and, and this division needs a great women's match after, and no offense to them, but having Lacey Evans and Alexa bliss and people like that fighting for the title, this needs an NXT style, long drawn out feud with great matches that builds a rivalry. I liked the Ronda Rousey Becky Lynch match as much as anybody. I wouldn't have called that. I we were grading on a curve then. The last great match in this division to me was the Oscar Charlotte Becky three way, because all three women could go, and simultaneously on the SmackDown side, after Charlotte beat Ember Moon, it looks like they're going back to Bailey and Charlotte. I think Bailey needs to win that. I I I know we're gonna try and get Charlotte to to her dad's number of title wins. But if, but if anybody needs a strong victory to reestablish this division as a work rate type of division, it's Bailey. Cause Bailey has, has lost her title in so many stupid ways and lost so many matches by being a, a moron. And they need to continue evolving this Bailey character and just finally morph her into Bailey 2.0. 
It's like they've been kind of slowly adulting her up a little bit here and a little bit there, but it, it's it's time. Look, you're you're killing Kyrie Sane and Asuka to get over this Nikki Cross Asuka storyline or Nikki Cross uh, Alexa Bliss storyline. Oh, uh, that you need. It's hard to watch. You need this division to have wrestlers again, not just personalities. There's these stories about Nikki Bella wanting to come back and wrestle, you know, Becky Lynch. No, we don't need Nikki Bella back here. We need people who can go and to get rid of, especially to get rid of the misogynist. Oh, I'm watching mediocre women's wrestling instead of really good men's wrestling types. This this division needs to be more sports oriented right now as opposed to more character driven. And, yes. and, and, and when I you think, do the Lacey Evans and you do the Alexa Bliss and the Nikki Cross and the Iconics type of storylines, you feed into those dudes and you have the personnel to not feed into that stuff at all. Going into your thing about the uh, about the OC, it looks like um, we're going to have a very short Seth Rollins AJ program on television to set up uh, Braun Strowman as the next. Uh, as the next uh, contender for Seth Rollins's universal title. We're also going to sacrifice a bit of Ricochet's credibility in the meantime, too, because he came out to save, he came out to save Seth Rollins and it just got dumped. And you're just like, you moron going out there to fight three people. You're an idiot. And then Braun comes out and saves his little buddies. Um, it's about I think time Braun's going to get... gonna turn at some point. Oh, yeah. It's about that time. This is about the same time when he turned on Roman, too. You remember that? Last year? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What if he ends up joining the club as their <laughs> oh, biggest guy? No, I mean, seriously, though. You really think? I I don't know. No, they're gonna, they'd view that as a demotion for him. I, I don't, like, they would view it as Braun's faction, but they would love to put that, like, WWE stink on a but New they Japan tried... sort of thing. I could see yeah, them doing that. No, no, I get that part of it. But they also tried to put him in a faction with, uh, you remember he had the short-lived one he was with, with the uh, Corbin? Oh, well, yeah, and with, with Corbin well, no, and no, Drew McIntyre. last year. Yeah. The one where he turned heel real quick, which, which was like the Drew McIntyre, Corbin, Bobby Lashley crew. Right, right, yeah. Uh, yeah, that didn't last very long because all of them turned on him, too, when they decided to turn him back babyface. Well, and then they turned Drew McIntyre temporarily babyface and then heel again. Yeah. 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 The whole thing was weird. Uh, so lost. It was so weird. Um, Yeah, I only had two things. One doesn't matter because it was so weird. Did, you watched Raw, right? A little bit, yeah, yeah. I mean, I did, I did pop you see it the part where they were on. gonna they were interviewing Paul Heyman while they had the Bobby Roode No Way Jose squash match? Yes, going? that was very strange. What the hell happened there? I thought for sure, and here's what I'm thinking: I'm thinking they were they did a bait and switch there. They were making you think that Brock Lesnar was gonna come out and destroy both those guys. That's what I think they were thinking with that. Because that made no, because Bobby Roode. It's I like, thought that uh, was an is, editing slash staging error. Is it time? Is it time to give him his one win for the week and then go back to beating him again? It, it, uh, yeah, it just confused me so much to see that the Bobby Roode thing. I my only thought on why they gave Bobby Roode the win is because they were in Canada and they just wanted to do something that. Oh, was, there you go. Was going to pop the Canadian audience. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, the the heel was gonna pop the crowd. He was okay. though. They were they yeah. were yeah. Because the glorious gimmick sort of never fully translates to being heelish. Oh, they never, Canada's they, bizarre world. That's yeah. also true, right? Uh, would, which would also explain the booing of Natty and why they were excited. I, they, to your point earlier, not not that we need to circle all the way back. They chose a really bad week to launch a number of these angles because of the location. Yeah, I would I would think so. Um, finally, for the main roster, Chris, they have announced the return of the King of the Ring tournament. Now, historically, there are two types of King of the Ring tournaments. There's one to crown an underappreciated professional wrestler as a really good wrestler. And then there's the one when Harley Race dies and you want to do something to honor his legacy so you have a King of the Ring tournament that you weren't planning on doing like three weeks ago. Well, that and also there, there's the kind where you're trying to crown a character who you're going to make the king. 
who's going to come out and be all royal and have to wear that stupid crown and cape for a number of weeks. That's the Harley before... Race tribute. Yeah, that is the Harley Race tribute. Now, Chris, here's my trivia question. Can you name the last King of the Ring? Lashley? I believe it was Wade Barrett. Wait, it was King Barrett. Yes. Yeah, you, you look at this lineup and you have here here's here's the here's the thing that angers me most of all is they put enough guys in here to do either kind of tournament. Cuz you cuz you have the you have the Chad Gables and Shelton Benjamin. But they also have Baron Corbin and I could see him becoming King Corbin. King Corbin terrifies me. He gets a he gets a promotion from constable to king and he comes out doing the bow to me cheap heat getting booed and everybody you are all my subjects and i am king corbin you should all kneel before me and 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 vince is just chuckling ha 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 look at these people so angry at him this is great stuff oh he gets great heat this this guy he gets it this is great heat i get it i know how to book this and and my fears were confirmed kind of when uh when when uh Dave Meltzer on Wrestling Observer Radio today said they have someone in mind and I went it's character it's more character than uh than 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 underappreciated push so enjoy the wrestling but uh it's not going to be King Ricochet I'll tell you that much it's not, I don't think it's going to be King Gable or King Buddy Murphy or anybody like that I think it's going to be King Corbin and uh, I think this is also a suge- one of the suggestions from the USA Network, I, I, because the USA Network wanted to bring back uh, the twenty four seven title. Well, Wade Barrett's a really, really good reference point here because, like that character, particularly Bad News Barrett, Bad News Barrett was really over. Um, so there is a place for those type of characters, and I think that's how Vince views Baron Corbin. But Baron Corbin's nowhere near as compelling as Wade Barrett was. Yeah, it's it's the light comedy stuff that, you know, it doesn't get over with me, but it gets over with, you know, remember Booker T? He was great. You know, it's okay. I'm a little uncomfortable with what they did with Booker T, but uh, again. I loved him in WCW. The performers will go on table for three and go, man, that's one of the highlights of my career. I was never more popular. So I'm just like, you know what, Hawkins, take your purity and cram it because you're probably wrong on this. I don't know that you are, though. I think that they have to go on and say that stuff on a table for three. You have to oh, put th- the I smile think on. Be- I think Regal believes it. I think Regal believes that cross-dressing was the highlight of his career. Because Regal think Regal's, has yeah. a performative aspect in, yes. him, in him. Yeah, yeah. that's that's Regal. Um, I mean, they were doing that all the way back in WCW when they turned Bobby Eaton into a member of the Blue Bloods. Regal's yes. always had that streak in him. Yes, uh, so that, uh, that concludes my, our main roster review a little bit more extended than usual because of the pay-per-view and just some important things. Um, yeah, the Kevin Owens thing was okay. I, I just, it's, 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 it's the usual, you know, it's, it, it's a, it's a bootleg stone cold angle. So there's not much to get into it. With He's me. the other one who could be the winner of the King of the Ring. Uh, is because, he in it? Yes, I think he is in it. And I, I do have him pegged because of the Stone Cold Steve Austin angle. Oh, no, that could be, yeah. You know what? That could be it, too. That's a, that's a good call on your part. Yeah, they, they, he, they're kind of also, they're combining that in the uh, Shawn Michaels goes bankrupt angle, where it's like, you know, I'm so, I'm I'm fining you for $100,000, and one of your kids won't be able to go to college because of that. You know, it's not like superstars are rich, but it, it's okay. I like it, kind of. Um, but, uh, you know, it gives Samoa Joe things to do. But other than that, it's like, eh, it's okay. The random turning of Samoa Joe has been interesting as well. I just think he's good at everything he does. I'm, I'm fine watching him. I'm fine. No, he makes it compelling regardless. It's... He will go with the material. He is just all in on the material, no matter how bad it is from week to week. And he makes it work. Who, who else is He's, you know, the Samuel L. Jackson type. He uh, is kind of like that. Paul, Paul Giamatti will do that. If, if You know, he'll be in a, the worst movie you've ever seen. And he's just making it great because he's taking this thing. And he's such a good performer. Yeah, it gives his character a little depth, too. 
where it's like, hey, I cared about Roman, but I hate all you people. <laughs> like, okay, yes, great. right, right. The Samoan thing, like the one thing that will make Joe kind of like turn is he's got like this affinity for his Samoan brethren. Uh, interesting, interesting. All right, let's start with 205 Live. Oh, okay. Um, Mostly enjoyed it. I, I, I thought running back Oni and, and, and Drew this quick did them a disservice. I, I would have liked to, because that match was okay on the pre-show. It is the quandary I have with 205 Live's relationship with the pay-per-view events, because I always feel like the pre-show treatment really hurts all of these title matches, and I'd almost rather have them on 205 Live, but all of these rematches feel like foregone conclusions, so I only really see merit in them if you're going to launch another story. And they didn't do that. They had a great match, uh, and I I agree with you that it's too soon. I would rather just build to a rematch if you're just going to have Gulak go over basically clean on Oni Lorcan. Yeah, and they're also, I mean, I don't know if you saw the announcement for next week, but next week is a captain's challenge match where the two were Lorcan and and, uh, Gulak pick teams, basically do a Survivor Series type match. Eh, that's um, interesting. I think the most interesting thing right now is Oni Lurkin's Twitter. His character on Twitter is fantastic because he's that crazy guy that you think he should be, that they're trying to get to him on TV, but they never quite hit that second gear with the craziness thing. Like like all during SummerSlam weekend, he's like, I'm going to go sleep under a park bench so I'm angry when I wake up to go beat up Drew Gulak for the title. And, and things like that. It's like, okay, it's weird enough where it's where it's not creepy weird, but it's also angry enough where it's not cringy angry at the same time. It, it, it's really a cool thing. He's intense without being psycho or, yes. yeah, any of the others. But he's a little off. Yeah, he's oh yeah, for sure. Off. Right, right, right. Sufficiently off. But I, I like the, it makes sense. You want to contrast to the hyper-focused, hyper kind of sober Drew Gulak, you do need yeah. to have a crazy baby face, and Oni Lorcan mm-hmm. is fun, and then when you want to turn Oni Lorcan, having the Madman character makes him very turnable when you need to do that. I do love, especially in the pre-show match, Lorcan just smacking the hell out of Gulak. Just. He was on the ground, he's smacking him in the back of the head and stuff. It, he's He's great at chops and smacks. I will watch Oni Lurkin chopped the hell out of somebody for 30 minutes on a continuous loop. I loved that. And I really like Drew Gulak's version of cheating and taking advantage. I think that it's very well done, and Gulak is really excelling in this role. He's a smart villain. Yeah. That he's not he's not necessarily evil. He's just he's 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 playing within the rules of cheating in terms of without being dastardly. He's very Dean Malenko y. Yes. And I think I think that's probably a lot of what he's channeling here. That's probably what he's channeling here. I, I, I gotta I gotta say that you're dead on on that. He's he's channeling a lot of Dean Malenko in here. And I love me some Iceman Dean Malenko. Oh yeah, for I, sure. I Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I, I think that there's a real opportunity here for him to just shine during this title reign. I have nothing to say about the Tazawa uh, Gallagher match other than it was very good. Um, what do you think about the finish? Where he dives onto him and pins him. Oh, did you not catch the important part there? I may have missed it. In my Gallagher case. puts his foot on the rope. Oh, under the rope. Oh, so no, on a- the rope. And Kendrick is like beating the mat and like hits the rope and Gallagher's foot pops off of the rope and that allows Tozawa to get the three. Uh so technically prob- that should have starts- not Yeah, it, I think it starts some sort of turn tension, for yeah. somebody. Yeah, or a bare minimum tension, but it's not clear clear who's going to turn. Is it going to be yeah, Gallagher again prob- or is it going to be Kendrick and Tozawa? Yeah, it's probably exacerbated in this 10 man tag since Gallagher right. was the first person only Lurkin picked. Yeah, no, right. um I forgot about that. It, it just always seems like such a blatant wrestling move to get a rematch. It's like, oh, I had my foot on the rope, but, you know, something happened, or I had my foot under the rope. I, you know, it's 
it's the kind of thing you do when you're going to start turn one of the two guys if you're going to have two baby faces fight like this. So, yeah, I think you're right. So and, and wait, I have to ask you, who attacked Dram Metalik? Oh, Lince Dorado. No way. Yeah. No way. I think Lince Dorado attacked him. No way. To get him out of the way. Yeah. No way. Okay. Jose? Yeah. Um, um no, I loved I loved Umberto Carrillo this week. I know. I, 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 I like I honestly I think the whole Lucha House Party storyline is interesting and I, I we were calling for them to try new things narratively. And I think that they found a very interesting way to make storylines to move the undercard pieces around. I like it. Here's here's what I like. Number one, the height on that that rolling arm bar he got was spectacular. Um, he, he's he's so so good at that. The other thing, I loved the end of that match. I loved that he was trying to get the pin. He moves out of the way in time for Lince Dorado to not hit him, even though he you could see him trying to kind of hit him. Yes. That thing. Yes. And and he didn't take it personally. He just smiled and went, hey, we got the win. He's he's such a great, naive baby face in I that way. I, I love that. I didn't interpret his facializations as that. There was like a little pop of the eyebrows there where he was like, huh, it was like a close call. Like, I, I no, I think Umberto Carrillo has his suspicions about Lince Dorado. Okay, I took it a different way. I took it yeah. he's wiping the face and going, oh, man, we won. What a hard-fought victory that was. You know, I, I didn't see any suspicion on his part. No, but, uh, I, even, I read Umberto as the one who actually sees this coming, whereas I think, unfortunately, it's going to be Kalisto and Grand Metalik who are going to be duped by Lince Dorado that it's really Umberto Carrillo who's the bad guy here. Oh, that, that would be that would be something. That I Oh, man. I, Chris, I have such split feelings about that because you know I think wrestling needs – pure baby faces now more than ever i oh man if you turn him heel who do you have in this division no i'm I, i'm saying umberto carrillo's the one of the three baby faces that actually understands that Lindsay dorado is not such a great guy whereas Kalisto and graham metalik don't realize that their friend is becoming not their friend anymore you know what i i for once i'd like to see them bail on a storyline like this where they just go, oh, you know what? Let's say team with Umberto for a week and got his respect. He decided not to be a bad guy anymore. <laughs> and just leave it for later, for the next time he blows up. I don't see the point in making Lindsay Dorado a heel right now if you're not going to end this with him as the champion, and there's no reason to get the belt off of Drew Gulak. Um, I see it because he's the best guy on the microphone to cut promos and it gives the other two members of the Lucha House Party some yeah, with. Yeah, I get that. But if they bailed on this, I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate that either. I mean I, I like I like the Lucha House Party as an act. I just think they just need to let Lindsay Dorado talk more for the group and Kalisto can talk a fair amount and like we've kind of discussed how they can do the speaking dynamics with that trio. Yeah, and give me and give me the and give me the intense one of two weeks ago. Where they were when they were fighting uh, Raul Mendoza and Umberto, where they were using lucha to be vicious more than just to do you know spots. I'd rather them all three be jerks. Oh, that'd be right. Cool. Like, I'm yeah, I, 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 we were kind of vibing on them all being heels. I'm more into that than I am uh, like have these guys be the step above the sings. So you beat the Sings, then you have to deal with the Lucha House Party, who are a much more formidable mini boss than the Sings are. It's a it's a lucha private house party where we're not inviting anybody else. It's just us. lucha country club. Yes, there we go. <laughs> Members only. Then we're gonna go to NXT because here's my thing, Jeff. It's not that I didn't like the ACH versus Trevor Lee match. It's that I really hate these recap episodes. So this was the weakest of the three episodes for me. Okay, I will. I will go with that. I. I liked, but I didn't love the Brizongo Forgotten Sons match. I was slightly disappointed. I want something more out of those two. Yeah, I was disappointed that they went back to the old dancing stuff and that the music was yeah. the same because it was because yep. the gear, the gear looked like a new rebirth between the two of them. 
Last week, Fandango says to Tyler Breeze, we're going to have to change things up now. And I thought that they were clearly using this as a launching pad to do something really different. And instead, it's just Johnny Curtis has a haircut now. Yeah, he's still doing the uh, the pel- pelvic thrusting and, you know, the the. It's almost more dancing. bombastic than when he was Fandango. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I was a little disappointed in that. And then the, the uh, I don't have a lot to say about the. Jordan Miles, Cameron Grimes match really. I I liked it. I thought I'm gonna be honest, Chris. I thought the wrong guy won. I think I think Cameron Grimes is a much more interesting. Um, there there's more to him than ACH to me, and I like ACH a lot. Yeah, I'm more intrigued in yeah. Cameron Grimes going up and being a real thorn in the side of Adam Cole for a few weeks on TV as a heater thing or or same or thing with velveteen dream, dream. I, think be, exactly. I think he'd be a great nice contrast he he dumps mud all over the velveteen dreams nice velvety couch and stuff just like covers it in country well, mud other, yeah i'm all about that well the well but the other thing is um cameron grimes trevor trevor lee i'll interchange the two of them until i get used to it he plays cocky real well and he can out cocky Velveteen Dream on a promo if you need to babyface Velveteen Dream a bit much. Far more than, to me, Jordan Miles is able to babyface on an Adam Cole. Because Jordan Miles has, uh, he has the I smile real big and I'm real happy. He, he's, he's, he's an anime star, Jeff. I like See, I, it feels like I'm going to be. His tr- body oozes charisma. It feels like Jeff. I'm going to trash him, and I'm and I'm not trying to trash him at all. No, I'm actually trashing the presentation of him. I like him, but I I hate the way Moro has. He's these Apollo Crews. There's no difference yes. between him and Apollo right. Crews. Right. It's about quote unquote physical charisma. Entertaining the and fans. I hate that. No. He needs to have a story, like a real story, and it can't just be as Shayna Baszler sort of nailed it. This I came from the streets, and this is all I got and I'm living the dream, it needs to be like a real story that's actually personal and individualized and interesting, and they need to like stuff. Remember how we were introduced to Finn Balor and he likes doing Legos? Yeah. That level of detail. Yeah, there, there needs to be something to him other than, and, and this is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a little racial here. This is a problem with African-American performers in the WWE system. They, they're, they're afraid to give them characterization because they're afraid it's going to turn off people. So instead, they just make him, I'm just happy to be here and entertain the fans, everybody, kind of thing. Or you're the Street Profits and you're, yeah, right on that line. Yeah. Love I, the Street Profits being hung over. A family-friendly product. <laughs> well, only one of them was. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Tez shows up to work and he's not drunk. Yeah, yeah. Tez is wearing a crown. Make him king of the ring. What's your problem, WWE? No, uh, <laughs> Honestly, I'm more into that. Like, if he's going to be King Tez anyways. Yeah, I. <laughs> his name is King Tez on Twitter. Seriously, I mean, if he's going to be King Tez, come on. You know. <laughs> yeah, but you're right. It was mostly a uh, recap show. You know, Morrow, all of Morrow's... <laughs> You know, Mama Mia's and and things in a, in a row. We have to wait for this uh, tapings that are happening tonight to see r- how they really follow up on all this. That song "Scary Mask" was interesting. Yeah, I, the, uh, the 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 yeah. Shirai one. Yeah. No, uh, it, it's it it's a it's just a weird song. Uh, like the way it was all like the way it was written and how the different the sections are woven the together. Bri- yes. The bridge is real weird right. on that one, but it's interesting right. to me. Yes, it is interesting. I don't know that I like it, but it is interesting. Yeah, I forgot there there was a person on the voice who kind of does the same thing as uh as the lead singer of that band too, kind of plays the little girly role in an ironic fashion. Okay, okay. Which it reminded me of, but I, I liked the song and you know, Io Shirai is great. I yeah, just, yeah. I I I wonder. I wonder if they pulled the trigger on a heel turn a little too soon for her, but uh yeah. I I you know. Good good video showing her. Yeah, I, 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 I'm very interested to see what the follow-up is here yeah. going into the next takeover. So what I. are we doing with Io Shirai? And I, I hope it's something big. So let's go to NXT UK. I put this over 205 Live because I actually 
enjoyed this Cassius Ono match, but I also have, like, weird things to say about this. This is, like, a weird take. So uh, we'll get to that when we get to that. First, we have Flash Morgan Webster pinning Mark Coffey. I mean, you saw this coming. Like, if it would actually be more interesting if Mark Coffey had won this match, but we knew that was not going to happen. Sneaky type of pin. Um, you know, it's how they get small guys over big guys. Because they have to find a way to get uh, the South Welsh uh, or the Southern Wales Social Club or whatever they're calling it, or subculture. That's what it was yes. last week. South Wales right. subculture, which I like yes. as a name. I like giving those two a name. Um, I do as well. No, I, I think you need to have and the, baby face tag teams that are not necessarily destined for greatness, but will always be over with the crowd. Yeah. And Flash Morgan Webster really fits the bill. And and I've said this before, but visually, I love Flash Morgan Webster. I love that mod father character, that that quadra, character straight out of Quadrophenia type look. Love it. I, I really do. It, it's, a, it's a very interesting thing to me. And I also really like Mark Coffey. So, like, this match is actually a match I'd be really interested in if it was 15 minutes. I, you know, I know that it can't be, especially in the context of the story they're telling here. I'm going to say this. Yeah. I'm going to say this again. I, like I am. I am visually amused by Wolfgang always being bothered by something. He's yes. always pointing at something. He's always upset. Like, oh, what Something's is that? Something's always I don't like upsetting that. him, and he's always needing to be calmed down. <laughs> I don't know why. It's just, it's like, it, it's one of those gimmicks that should not work because you should be going. Look, can you not? He, it, it's like, okay, you don't need to be. It's like Io Shirai's goo goo eyes when she's sad. She doesn't need to do that every week. You know, she doesn't have to be sad every week. You know, she can be a real person here and there. But for some reason, Wolfgang always being bothered by this one one thing somebody says in the crowd amuses me to no end. Mark always having to manage those yes. two amuses me. No, I, I, I like, but <laughs> but also the fact that Mark is also a hothead. It doesn't make him like calm and reasonable. It just makes him the calmest of the three. And the pressure of having two more extreme people than you makes this third person who would normally be fairly volatile have to moderate themselves. So, like I, I find all this stuff really he's, amusing. He's the villain. It scratches a serious itch for me. In the action movie, he's the guy in the crew who's still a villain, but he has to take care and play the motherly figure to the hothead of the group. He's like, why the heck did I join this crew? That, that's him. In this, and I love it. I love that character all the time because it's like, you know, he's smart and could be doing something else with his life, but he's stuck with this crew of idiots right now. I really liked this backstage thing with Jordan Devlin getting interrupted by <laughs> Piper Niven and Rhea yes! Ripley brawling. That was a really good usage of the backstage universe. That was, that was my great. Favorite thing on the show is the fact that he's hanging outside of Johnny Saint's office still, going, I need to get a match on, on Takeover. I deserve to be in the main event. And meanwhile, here come Rhea Ripley and, and Piper Niven, who I thought that backstage brawl was fantastic too. I did. It, it, mostly these things look fake. That looked like the kind of backstage brawl that would really happen. So, yeah, no, that that popped me huge. Where it's like, And they passed Jordan Devlin just doing a death stare at Johnny Sane's door. When's he going to open this door? When's he going to open it so I can get in there and make my case? And meanwhile, chaos ensues all around him. I love it. No, I'm with you on that. Then we had Travis Banks pinning Kenny Williams after hitting the Kiwi Crusher. This is interesting. I think we're slowly building to Noam Dar turning Kenny Williams. Yeah, it's going to be Noam Dar and uh, and uh, Travis Banks, it looks like. I I think Kenny's going to help yeah. Noam at some point win one of these matches. Yeah, no, I agree there. I, I think Travis Banks has taken a couple steps back in terms of building on any characterization he got in that Walter feud. Um you know what I thought was a push forward in terms of characterization was Walter and his wrestling school. Love that. I like Walter and his wrestling school. The, I like uh, the way it was lit. Yes, they made it like really austere, and he still runs it like a school, but he's also kind of a monster, and I, I love it. Yeah, yeah no, he's good. It, it, it was the it's the WXW school, which makes it even cooler that they're you know given given that promotion a little love. But yeah, no, it's. It humanizes Walter from just being a, a a character, and I like bad guys. I like bad guys with depth. I do. I I think bad guys. Okay, 
He's he's a taskmaster at his school. He's abusive. He's there. a general. He's a he, general. These are his soldiers, and that's why he also and, and it plays into how he acts in terms of the inter faction uh, dynamics of Imperium as well. It helps that in many ways. No, I loved everything. I loved that. You know, he's get, you call that getting hit. Who do you think you are, Travis? Oh, you look kind of like Tyler Bate, and he just kind of he just beats the crap out of his students to drive them. And yeah, no, I loved everything about that vignette as well. Nina Samuels pins Isla Dawn. This was interesting, although it makes some sense because Nina Samuels has been getting all these vignettes. It, she was due in for a win. I don't know what this portends for her, though. It was interesting to you. <laughs> but, I, see, I like Nina Samuels. I well, think you also she's like Isla Dawn, as I recall, too. No, I don't like Isla Dawn. Oh, this I is like a were... rumor you have said multiple times on this show, and it's not true. It's never been true. I'll, I'll tell Brad Shepard to report it. Well, maybe he will. <laughs> And maybe he'll he'll get a really big push off of it. Chris Novembrino Sorry, likes, Chris Novembrino likes Isla Dawn. That's not fake true, news. Still. It's fake news, Jeff. Report it. Yeah, report it, somebody. Let's let's push it in the community. No. Um what is the hunt doing next week? Oh, they're wrestling Bartel and Eichner. I'm just gonna sit I'm gonna I'm gonna sit back and just enjoy that because I love both teams, even though even though I think I know I think we all know how that's gonna go down. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I will take this moment to weep internally and cry a little bit. And, and so while you're doing that, I'm going to start talking about Cassius Ono and Ilya Dragunov. Are you better now? Is everything going well? So Cassius Ono, I thought, was very good in this match. But Ilya Dragunov still leaves me cold. I think that he oversells. There are points where he sells well. And he sometimes does really interesting sells to moves, but I think those sells are in bad places or done one notch or two notches or three notches too high um, and would be better placed for a more substantive move. But I thought Cassius Ono really carried Ilya Dragunov to a very, very good match here. Enjoyed it. I enjoy all of Cassius Ono's work. Yeah, the Ilya Dragunov character still isn't working for me. It really isn't. It, 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 he's a chicken hawk. He's the little guy who thinks he's a giant. And he's going in there. And the conducting stuff is weird. And this week, what's weird about his act is when he comes out and the crowd is not 100% into it, it feels so lukewarm. Yeah, because they're watching it him. It feels going, what's ice this, cold. What's this like, what doing? the hell is this? Yes, exactly. Is this guy insane? Yeah, it, it, yeah. yeah, whereas Cassius Odo, you can at least, you can relate to this guy, probably. I, I want the Wrestling Genius t-shirts. I want those. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. With the ironed on letters that you get at the store next to the the chess game Andy Kaufman arranged yes 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 i'm all i'm all i'm all about I, look irony is big in wrestling that's why AEW's getting iron so on huge iron on needs to be big iron in on. wrestling oh man oh chris damn you oh, oh. i'm 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 both disappointed and proud of you simultaneously for putting that pun in there i really am but yes, no, if they sold those shirts, I I bet you the irony crowd would buy them. Oh yeah, for sure. And that is to your point, I think that is part of what bolsters like, you know, the the all elite brand. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh any other points you wanted to hit on this show? Tony Storm. Oh yeah. Not good that I keep forgetting about her. No, it's probably for the best that you keep forgetting about her. There was a little to like in that promo. Like when she's got... that good championing and then, I you know what know. I mean? Like I, I should want to care about that. Yeah. It, it was one where I was watching it and I was like, okay, I'm a little confused as to if I, if I thought that was good because I liked the part where she couldn't talk about Kaylee Ray. I do. I, th- I think that that makes for a little bit more depth in this thing. But at the same time, it goes against everything they built up in her as being this polished champ talking about her shiny, shiny, 
you know, being the media There was almost star. like swagger, and yes. like this felt and Tony like Storm, she had to it... emotionally restrain mm-hmm. herself, and she wasn't putting the extroverted face on it, which is the character we had been getting. I, I just, I feel like they do different things with Tony Storm from week to week. I don't necessarily feel like I connect with any version of the character. The tonal shifts I, are are jarring. They are jarring, and I don't necessarily love any one of the tones. Yeah, it it feels like they haven't gotten a handle on what made Tony Storm pretty much the hottest woman in women's wrestling prior to getting Dude, signed she just the needs to be like fun-loving Joan Jett, I love rock and roll, Motley Crue listening, Tony Storm. Punk rock rebel, yeah. No, and that's, you know, it, it's not hard. You just need to start to build on it a bit. And, yeah, it, her character is just, it's become dull since since NXT UK. Yeah, I almost want Kaylee Ray to win this match. But they don't have another good baby face to put this on immediately. And Kaylee Ray is, she she's would not okay. be a good trans- she's, okay. she's okay. But she's yeah. not, like, to me. <laughs> she wouldn't be a good transitional champion for this division right now. If they hadn't beaten her so quick against Tony Storm, Ginny would be my choice for a transitional champ. Because she's oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. G- Ginny bolstered by Jazzy Gabbard yes. is a very interesting transitional champion because then when you have Ginny lose the belt, she can blame Jazzy, and that can set off an entire storyline. Or, yeah. or Jazzy eventually goes, how come you haven't given me a title shot? And that's right, how you turn Right, right. That's a sort of Damocles sort of storyline that has, you know that something's going to happen eventually, and, and that will be interesting, whereas... I don't know that you'd have that sense of inevitable payoff with Kaylee Ray. No, because I, I think, uh, I mean, her character is basically, I'm taking advantage of our friendship, but they haven't really done a lot of depth on the friendship part. Yeah, I just don't care about their friendship. It would Their friendship, a lot of times when you do the friendship angle, it works best when they've teamed on screen for a while and you've seen all these vignettes of them going out and having fun and being buddies and stuff well it also works when when the friend who is the heel feels aggrieved over something that she shouldn't he or she should not feel aggrieved over and is taking it far too personally than the baby face is like if kaylee ray came out and goes Oh, the only reason you got signed so quickly is because you were so attractive and you were blonde and you sh- shook your butt all over the place while I was trying to be a good wrestler or something like that. You know, that kind of storyline. Then then you go, okay, you understand why she's a heel and why Tony Storm, you should kind of root for her because it's not her fault she's attractive, et cetera, et cetera. Here it's like, Oh, we hung out together, and then I waited for the moment to stab you in the back. And the other thing is, you need to have a heel like that basically be making their debut. Like, they've arrived yeah. in the company to get their comeuppance on this baby face. Like, week this one. This has been this singular obsession of their life for the last five years. They've trained. They're now here. And it's like, Tony Storm... I've been waiting for five years to finally have my shot at you. Whereas Kaylee Ray has been around for a while. Like, why now? Yeah, her debut is teaming with Tony Storm and punching her in the face. That's her debut. And so we know right from the get-go, she's here to take out Tony Storm. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Yes. Yeah. Oh, exactly. That that was one of the best ones they ever did. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. But uh, we're on the build to uh, NXT UK TakeOver Cardiff. Next week we get uh, we get bomber Dave Mastiff against uh, Joe Coffey. Big guys doing bad things to each other. Hose worthy potential. I'm I'm in. Yeah, I mean that plus the hunt. Next week's NXT UK has the potential to be a pretty good show. I'm yeah. looking forward to it. Yeah, the hunt the hunt make everything better, and I will enjoy that match for what it is, not for what I want it to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but a solid undercard match. It'll yeah. be okay, Jeff. Um, uh, you'll feel better if you do some plugs. Plug away, Jeff. You can join our Patreon, patreon.com slash shakethemrubs. For as little as a dollar a month, you get extra audio, usually about two shows a month. Chris is going to get really high and watch Eric Watts matches, apparently. High wattage is coming out this month, baby. The, manage- yeah. the management of Shake Them Ropes does not endorse nor condone anything that Chris does. 
it is high wattage. Um, you can follow me at Crap Game Thirteen. You can follow Chris it's at because I smoke at Chris Novembrino. You can follow the show, just the show, and all its episodes at Shake Them Ropes. As I try to get through these plugs, Chris always also does. Don't worry, dot TV's my other show. (laughs) You do the rest of these plugs then. Okay, fine. I was just going to keep seeding that in, but you're just taking all the fun out of living once again. Well, Chris, right all now the I'm, family I'm, podcast. I'm, I'm, I'm preparing. Okay. I'm preparing for our G1 update as soon as you get done with the plugs. Oh, okay. You just you can step on the plugs now too. You're gonna you make me break character, and then I have to do these plugs. I'm, I have to, I'm I'm at least a professional here. Don't I'm worry, the show about that's what yes, I was that's with fine. Rob. Don't worry, that's TV, what I have with all you. in the family podcast, and now we're done. And now for our G1 update. <laughs>